0: Welcome to the Ocean Cruisers Podcast, hosted by Andy H. This week we are speaking to Alex and Brady, founders of the Cruisers Academy and veteran crew of SV Delos. Alex and Brady are currently living in Lake Tahoe, California, after traveling around the world for 10 years on an ML55 with their family and friends. They have recently set up a new business called the Cruisers Academy, the first of its kind. A sailing school designated not only to teach people how to sail, but how to live on a boat and cruise full time bringing their 10 years of world cruising experience to their students. We talk about their life on the water, how they pioneered social media sailing, the transition to land life and their new business and what videography we can expect from them in the future. You can learn about Alex and Brady on their YouTube channel, The Cruisers Academy. Follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and download the audio on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Don't forget to like and subscribe
1: start is from when you left the ocean and you moved on land and what made you want to do that I know there was a set of circumstances in place but was that something that you were thinking about before and you wanted to you know just make a temporary or permanent change to your life
2: yeah it's probably a different answer for each of us but I would say I always had like a a bucket list goal to live in the mountains for a season and like when I was in my early 20s, it was, you know, oh, I'll go work as a lifty or work at one of the resorts and just live a full season in the snow because I love snowboarding. So that was always kind of a goal of mine. And there was times when we were on Delos where every couple of years I'd take a week or two and go snowboarding the mountains in Colorado or wherever my friends were going. And then when Alex and I met, because she's from the area, we came to Tahoe a few times. And I don't know, it just kept getting stronger and stronger after being on the ocean for 10 years, it was just like, yeah, it's time to go to the mountains. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, actually spend more
1: time than just a couple of weeks. So for you, was it, was it, was it more about just having a change from living on a boat or did you just really want to do a full season on the snow?
2: Both, definitely both. It's just like when you, when you do it for so long, it's just, I don't know if you get jaded, but it's just, you, you don't appreciate things as much. Mm. So Going the opposite way and living in the mountains makes you realize it in such a different way and appreciate it.
3: I think, too, there was a certain set of, you know, circumstances on Delos where, like, everyone was really ready for a change. Um, And when Karen and Brian had Sierra, she was like this perfect Kickstarter to set off sort of all these changes. Right. And so for me, and Brady, we're like, okay, this is a good time for us to go do something else. You know what do we all want to do from here? And me and Brady had some ideas. We had played around with the idea of a you know a cruisers academy where we taught people to not only sail but live on boats and you know how to provision for six months, how to fix things, how to dive, all this stuff. It was an idea we had toyed with. Um, and then when we ended up in Tahoe for the for the season, and then COVID hit. Well, we decided maybe it's not the best time for us to start a business based on international travel and go get yeah, a big- point. Yeah, Yeah, so we're like, okay. So we're like, we're just going to hang out in Tahoe for the summer. And the thing about Tahoe is that in the wintertime, it's like a winter wonderland of skiing and snowboarding and all that stuff. But in summertime, there's a lake that's 12 by 28 uh, miles with really yep. good sailing. So yep. all of a sudden, we were finding people up here that wanted to sail There's no proper sailing school in North Lake Tahoe. And so it just like all happened organically. And um, it's kind of, yeah, the first chapter of the Cruisers Academy. But we definitely have plans in the future to get back to the ocean.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's really cool. So it was, yeah, I suppose there's like a good reason behind it, but ended up in Tahoe was a complete fluke or ended up in Tahoe and setting up a business was completely by chance. Yeah, Yeah. setting up the business was for sure. I mean, when we first moved here, even before COVID hit, we wanted to kind of
2: put roots down and then go off on adventures and always come back just to stop living out of a bag, basically. Like, have a place beside the boat to keep your shit. And, yeah, once that happened and then we started sailing on the lake and you just realized that, yeah, it's incredible sailing. It's a great place to teach. So it all, yeah, fell right into place right away.
1: Mm. What type of weather system do you get there with it being a lake in the mountains? Do you just have a constant stream of decent wind or do you get storms and how is it?
2: It's, it's daily. So it's, it's, you get like, what they call it the zephyr and the desert is what, 35, 40 miles away down elevation. So it heats up yeah. every morning, sucks all the cold air off the lake, creates winds from the same direction, same speed, like every day in the summer, basically. So it's perfect for learning. And then at night it drops off. So in the winter there's crazy storms that come through. It's not really a good place to be on the
1: water, but for the summer it's it's the perfect place to learn. Well, yeah, that's like a ideal situation for setting up a sailing yeah. school. Exactly. <laughs> at so cool. yeah. well, no, so two yeah. and ends at seven p.m. and that's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you can just plan it all in really well. Yeah, yeah, so much better. like when when I've done my um, I did an OIA course recently in Gibraltar. And it, like you can turn up for the week and you've got a week's worth of sailing and then you've only got wind for like two days. So it's like you turn up for a week to do a sailing course and you've got like five days of motoring around just like the diesel uh, engine. What do they do? They just motor around? That's all they can do. Well, like when when I last went there, we did, I, I've I've been on boats all my life. I've sailed for ages, but it was only in the UK. You actually don't need a license to take a boat out and you don't yeah. need a license to get insurance. Whereas in Spain you do. So when I came here, I was like, okay, I actually need to go and get my license now. Um, so I, th- I think for like, I think it was about four days where we didn't have wind. We did like the, um, we did a couple of night passages cause that was more just like focusing on the navigation equipment and reading the maps. You didn't really need to sail to like tick off the boxes there. We did all the safety stuff with no winds. We did like mooring, um, tying up to the dock, that type of stuff. This is like real basic, but like you have, you have to do it if you want to get the, uh, if you want to get a license and, yeah. um, yeah, like for two days we had wind. So, yeah, we had like a nice heel for two days, and the rest of it was just like diesel time, which was pretty depressing. It's like
2: one of my biggest fears about a sailing school
1: is you can never plan the conditions
2: that far out. You have people, like we have people Mm. booked two or three months out, and it's like it could just be a week where there's no wind. And you're like, I don't know, you know, you can't do anything about it. It is what it is, but it's so hard to teach somebody to sail without wind.
3: Yeah, with with kind of getting going last year, what we found is because of the CA1, the sort of intro to sailing course that we're kicking things off with. It's a four-day course. So within those four days, you'll have a little bit of varying condition. And then, yeah, you can decide what you want to do on on each of those days. Um, but, yeah, we, we we never had a course that was like, oh, there's not wind for four days. No, we did a It was enough to be able to pick, you know, oh, today there's not a whole lot of wind. Okay, let's focus on anchoring and docking and stuff like that. Yeah. The wind's pumping yeah. tomorrow. i will focus on sailing tomorrow. So. It worked out well for us. We'll see how it goes this summer.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, because this is the first summer that you're actually going to be going the whole way through with the new yeah. business. Yeah. Last summer, we didn't start yeah. until July.
2: Something like that, Like our, yeah. middle of June, July is when we first started doing our first courses. So mm. yeah, we're starting
1: real soon. <laughs> so, so I imagine then if it wasn't for COVID, you probably would have done something pretty different. You may have not even set up the business on the lake. Would that be right? I don't think so.
3: I don't think so either. We would have
1: have been out probably on
2: a big monohull somewhere teaching offshore sailing. Yeah. I would say.
3: I think it actually worked out really well though because, I mean, Brady lived on Delos for, I think, just over 10 years. Yeah. um, And I was on Delos for three years. But for, you know, years before that, I had kind of been backpacking around, floating around, traveling, never had my own place. I was just on the move. and. I think both of us were really ready to like stay put for a little while. Um, And yeah, the pandemic definitely forced us to do that in a way that we wouldn't have done it otherwise. So I think it worked out well. And um, I think it's kind of building a foundation for the business in a really cool way that we may not have done either. And sort of opening it up to people who are more beginner sailors too, and bringing everyone in as opposed to, oh, you already have a boat and you wanna learn how to cross an ocean we're kind of
1: getting the foundation going and then we're going to work up to that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's good. It's, it, I mean, in terms of like setting up a school for like the long haul, like, you know, expanding it and doing different things with it, it's really good to be able to offer that as well. Um, I think it's easier for first time learners. Like the concept of being on a lake is like far less terrifying than just being like on an open ocean. If you've got no sailing experience. It is. I mean, the lake, it's
2: pretty gnarly. We can get at 35, 40 knots and yeah. Two meter swells at times. But oh, well. it's, it's still it's still not like the ocean though. It's still like once the wind stops blowing, everything drops really fast, and you don't get big swells and it's more wind chop. So it's yeah, it's a lot
1: easier to learn, I would say. Yeah, it's definitely less intimidating as well. I mean, the thing is with yeah. a lake, it's like if you fall overboard, eventually you will just land on a rock somewhere. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. If you if you're like, if you're doing that introduction to sailing, you like. Out in the Atlantic, that could go pretty yeah. bad, if you don't know what you yeah, do. Yeah. <laughs> so why, why did you get, because neither of you two are from California.
3: I'm from California. Uh,
1: yeah. Oh, right. You're from, are you from a similar like, kind of area to where Tahoe is?
3: Yeah, I didn't grow up in Tahoe. I actually grew up on the coast in a town called Petaluma, just north of San Francisco. Okay. Um, but I've been coming to Tahoe since I was a kid. And I had lived in Tahoe previously for two winters, and that's why I brought Brady back here. Um, I brought him back in the summer one time, <laughs> and then I brought him back in the winter, and then he was like, okay, I'm sold. Yeah.
2: It has it all. You snowboard in the
1: winter, you sail in yeah. the summer. It's perfect, yeah. Well, it's perfect for you. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> you it's like perfect. doing both of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it's yeah, I I didn't know anything about the um I didn't know anything about the area, but we've we've got a place in the UK called the Lake District, which is similar. We've got like similar sized lakes, and they have kind of a similar climate as well. Um, sure. And uh, yeah, we actually did a lot of sailing on there when I was a kid. So yeah, it's it's um, yeah, it's great. You can you know do the winter thing. You can camp out. Have like nice cold nights, and then during the summer, like yeah, you can roast yourself if you want to. And yeah, it's really nice. Yeah. So in in terms of like doing the move back to land did did you intend on getting a house and like staying put or was it a case of like let's get a house because you just said you want to like treat it as a base did you intend on keeping that as a base and literally going overseas and carrying on the international travel that was that was our plan whether we really wanted to do that i don't know in hindsight now like like
2: alex said covid was kind of a silver lining i know it's really terrible a lot of people and a lot of bad things happened but for us it forced us to slow down and the silver lining was to stay put for once so we we bought a condo and it was basically before covid hit. it was a place to keep our stuff we were going to rent it out when we were gone so we were going to go sailing offshore rent it out come back every once in a while a couple times a year maybe and then relax here and then go out and work and sail again but it turned in yeah the exact opposite of that turned into a full-time home base so I think it happened for a reason. Yeah,
3: I think that our ultimate dream life is if we could figure out a way to spend half of our time traveling, sailing around, and then half our time here. Uh, yeah. And whether that's a year of sailing and then a year here or six months sailing, so, you know, it'll probably look different year to year, but that's kind of having that balance and having both, I think, is is what we're trying to reach yeah. for.
1: It's good balance. <laughs> You could manage that pretty well. I mean, if, you, if you're like sailing school is basically through the summer, you, you yeah. could just cruise during the winter, go back up north for the summer, do do your classes, then just head yeah. back down to like the Caribbean or the Pacific or something. It's kind of well, no that's kind of the plan. Yeah, <laughs> I take it it was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the dream life in a way, I suppose. So like take out the lockdowns out of it and all that type of stuff because it's eased off over like the past few months. What has been the biggest change to... You two emotionally, from like being on a boat traveling the world to now like being in a in a condo doing a thing on land like what's what's been the biggest change for you I think mentally you can kind of slow down a little bit more when you're living on a boat and constantly
2: traveling there's a million things that are going on, whether is the boat safe, crew going in and out of different countries there's just so much always going on you can never really relax and like shut down, I guess, which is hard to relieved because most people are like oh go on a boat sail the Caribbean. it's the most relaxing thing you could do and it's it's actually sometimes quite stressful and very difficult so yeah moving on to land is i don't know it's just a i feel like a relief
1: i don't have to worry about my house dragging away by the way yeah, that's a good point. it is difficult getting like a really nice night's sleep when every time <laughs> you hear a click you're like is that the anchor that's around a rock or i don't know something like yeah. that?" And like a, a place
2: to stuff, like we said. I mean, to have a mountain bike and a dirt bike, and to be able to sail and we want, but also have a big room and long unlimited showers. It's all like the little things that are super important.
1: Stuff that normal people would just find very basic, like yeah, yeah, the yeah. Water. yeah. <laughs> Once you go down to the store and get whatever you want to eat, it's great.
2: Yeah,
1: have you have you found like any new hobbies since you've? moved on land because i mean you basically scuba dived or snorkeled all the time when you're on the boat have you found anything new since you've moved back
2: uh snowmobiling snowboarding but i always loved that (laughs) but i mean alex has has always been into horses but now she can actually have a horse so
3: yeah i got my own horse in the last year which was my life that was missing yeah so that's definitely what i pretty much spend all my spare time doing is training him up he's a baby mustang i'm her
1: second husband oh cool (laughs) you always find this with people who have horses like the horse comes first then everything else comes second after that that's (laughs) my experience anyway so do you keep do you keep the horse by the lake
3: um yep he's yep he's like 10 minutes from my house so i had to have him a little bit further away in winter time because the snow he was like 30 minutes away and i just moved him back so now i can hang out with him every single day
1: Oh, that's so cool. So do you know, when you say you've got a Mustang, does that, right, I, I, bear in mind, I know very little about horses. I did watch a documentary about Mustangs once, and it was inmates who were training Mustangs and taming them for sale. So all well, I know about Mustangs is prison officers and, and criminals, <laughs> that type of stuff. But is is it the case that you, you get this horse from the wild? Or do you, yep. do you get it like, oh, wow.
3: Yeah. So there's actually a really, I think I've seen the film that you're talking about too. I forget the name, but uh, yeah, there's another really good film called Unbranded um, okay. and it kind of covers the whole story of Mustangs and how they ended up here and the challenges they're up against and how the adoption program works. Um, but they're, they're really cool horses because they're actually naturally bred. They just mm. it happened out in the wild, So they're pretty sturdy um, they don't have a lot of problems built in, bred into them. Like what happens when, Humans start breeding animals, and, yep. and not a lot of inbreeding, and uh, yeah, they're really they have amazing personalities, and uh, it's quite the experience to spend time with horses. If anyone's ever done it before, you probably, you know, it's actually it's quite similar to sailing in a way. Where a lot of people say to me, they you know realize I'm a sailor and say, oh, the ocean terrifies me, and mm-hmm. same thing, people with horses like, oh, the horses terrify me, and it's like, well, they sh- they should in a way. Like the ocean can, you should have a very healthy respect of what the ocean can do to you and same thing for horses, you know but all the fun things are dangerous (laughs)
1: that's true you know i've I've been on a horse like a couple of times i've never done lessons although um i i didn't want to because we lived in dubai for like eight years and they're massive into horse racing over there and um it's, it's just one of those things i never got around to it but there's something just so terrifying about having a pet that's like eight foot tall um I remember like the first time I went, I want to look. So I was like, you could kill me so easily. I'm just not sure yeah. about this.
3: Yeah. They keep you very present. For, that's for sure. You have to be super present around them. Same yeah. with the ocean. When you're sailing, like you have to be paying attention. You have to be in tune. So that's what I like about both those things. They bring you in to the moment. Like there's no yeah. thinking ahead in the future. There's no worry about the past. You have to be right there. So,
1: mm. Do you keep a Mustang in a stable or is that the type of horse where you do have to keep it in like a, an open space for it to like trot around? And...
3: Um, uh, I love all your questions. Um, <laughs> That's a great horse question. he, uh most usually when I tell people I have a horse, they're like, Oh cool. I don't know the first thing to ask. <laughs> uh, yeah. I keep him in a pretty big pen. I don't keep him in like in a small stall or anything. So okay. he has room to run around if he wants to.
1: Oh, nice. And there's quite a lot of space for him. Yep. Yeah. That's really cool. I don't talk to many horse owners, to be completely honest. So yeah. but I do have these questions. You know, I look, I'm like, wow, they're so big. And one of the hardest
2: things about running the horse up here is towards the end of the summer, we get really bad fire seasons. So the forest oh, fires yeah. in California have been really bad the past couple of years. Hmm. So you never know when a fire is going to come up over the hill. So Alex has got a trailer, which is a huge stress off her back, because if something comes, you need to go put the horse in the trailer and get out super fast. So it's kind of a
1: something people don't think about up here, but fires mm-hmm. are serious.
3: They've been getting there,
2: yeah.
1: Yeah, they've been, they've been definitely getting worse. What was it like in the, in the location where you guys are based? Did did the ones last year end up working the way it there? It wasn't,
3: yeah, none of them got really too close to us. This area is managed quite well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it's interesting growing up in California and then traveling around and seeing what people think California is versus what California actually is because Mm. I think when people think of California they think of LA beaches um and actually most of Northern California is uninhabited and all forest so there's so much open forest space up here which leads to the forest fires um but yeah the fires that weren't really an issue up here but the smoke um Mm. can be Cheers. the
2: smoke will blow in from a fire that's hundreds and hundreds of miles away yeah and it kind of like takes over the whole town and it sucks it's not good for sailing it's not good for any outdoor activities.
1: it's just yeah it's terrible yeah i mean like it, it causes a completely separate you know set of problems in itself just in terms of like the ecosystem and you know like birds can't see bears don't know where they're going and like yeah, it's pretty terrible. It, it was um it was quite bad in Australia as well. Like similar scenes really to like what was going on in California. But um I think Australia got like way more out of control. Um I can't yeah. remember the number, but it was like tens of millions of animals I like, got killed in the um Yeah. I would, yeah. What's exactly. yeah. yeah. so right in terms of like the location where you are based now? Um that is I suppose it's like quite far away from any of the major cities. Do you like? Engaged in any of that type of life, like going into LA or going to San Francisco or anything like that. <laughs>
3: um, a little bit from San Francisco. I'm I'm from the Bay, and we actually are in the process of uh, buying a boat that's currently living a big boat and uh, that's currently living in Sausalito, which is a part of the San Francisco Bay. So, yeah, we've been going down there doing some sailing. We did a private course last week. It's a three-hour drive to San Francisco and the whole mm-hmm. Bay Area, um, and there's a huge sailing scene down there. So yeah. spending a little bit of time down there, but yeah, not LA.
2: I think if it, if it wasn't for the lockdown, we would have spent a lot more time in the mm-hmm. city. I think cities are really cool. I wouldn't like, want to live in one full time, but again, the balance of going from the mountains and the lake, and then you go down to a city, I think it's a pretty cool contrast. Yeah. But because of COVID, it was just, there's no point to go to the cities because everything is completely closed. But luckily in Tahoe, it's such an outdoor destination. You can still hike and snowboard and mountain bike and everything's outdoors. So luckily it didn't affect us as much as the average person
1: in a big city. Yeah. Were you guys allowed to like leave your property and get on with like general hobbies and stuff? Yeah. All right. Okay. So you were pretty free from that perspective. But like in the cities there, it was no cafes, no restaurants, no anything.
3: Exactly.
1: Yeah, Exactly. We provisioned like we were going on a passage. (laughs) (laughs) Which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, We got this.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, you've got enough experience in like shopping for long term. So yeah, Yeah. I suppose it's fine. You know, like one of the most annoying things that I found about it was I I do not do grocery shopping. It's one of those things. It it just takes me out of my happy place straight away. Um, I like going to like a DIY shop. I like going to a chandlery. But um, yeah, going into a grocery store, that's like, it's depressing. So when we when the lockdown started here, um, my wife didn't have a driving license because she's from Syria. So when we originally came to Spain, she had to like do her driving license again. So she couldn't drive for like a year, and that coincided with the lockdowns. So you were allowed to leave your house, and you were allowed to go in a car, but it was only one person in a car, and it didn't matter if it was from the same household. What? So um, yeah, yeah. So it's a very strange rule. So anyway, the first week. She Ooh. was like, "Oh, you're you're gonna have to go and do the grocery shopping." I was like, "Oh shit!" Like this is, <laughs> is really bad. You know what I mean? So was really bad. <laughs> so she was like writing the stuff down. I was like doing a video call, walking around. I was like, "What? What's these beans are dry? They're not in a can. What's going on?" And uh, yeah, then got to the second week. I was like, "Oh shit! I have to do this again." And then yeah, like three months later, I was like, "I cannot believe I've been grocery shopping for like three months." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they weren't like two people in a car. It was uh, after. Pretty straight. Everybody did in America was start ordering grocery deliveries, so you just do yeah. it all, and deliver it to your front door. Yeah, it, they started doing it here as well like during the lockdown because Spain is pretty behind, like from a commerce perspective and business, like they're a bit old-fashioned. So yeah, they started doing, um, they started doing deliveries from like the local supermarkets. I think a couple of months in, and then I got a note through my letterbox like two weeks ago saying Amazon is starting to deliver groceries which I wasn't happy about at all. <laughs> I was like, I think those guys are doing enough. So
2: Yeah, so, holy yeah. crap,
1: that's crazy. Yeah, I don't know if that started in America, but yeah, like this leaflet came through and it had these like gorgeous like tomatoes and bananas on the front. I was like, "Whoa, they look, they look, they, they can make, they look organic, they look great." And then I turned the leaflet over and it said Amazon. I was like, "No, no, no, back away from this." So yeah, um, and a banana would probably
3: last six months, you know. Never go. Back. Yeah, it
1: probably would. Yeah, it's like the McDonald's that you put in your fridge and you find it like the year later and it looks better. You know, it's aged and it was so like a fine wine. Uh Yeah, I'll be keeping away from that. All right. So just like talking about the Cruises Academy. Um, When did you think of this idea? It's um, a good
3: question. I don't know.
1: A couple years
2: ago, three years ago. I don't know. I always like teaching when new crew come on the boat. So mm-hmm. I always thought of, you know, when you leave and you don't want to film your life anymore, do a YouTube channel. Uh, consulting is what most people do no matter what they do once they finish their career or something they consult about it so mm-hmm. I always thought that teaching would be cool and then yeah really when we were on the passages we just started brainstorming the ideas of teaching people offshore and, and it just developed from there So yeah.
3: I think there's a little bit of a gap in the market too where you know people want to sail uh, they want to learn how to sail okay well there are sailing schools out there that you can go do that at right but where's the school that teaches you how to live on the boat? How do you learn, like yeah. I said, how to provision for six months or how to work on the systems on the boat or how to get along as crew members? You know, all those things can there's a there's a pretty um, steep learning curve to all those things, even if you know how to sail already. Right. Yeah. So, so that, that was look, kind of our sailing idea. the boat's the easy part. Yeah. So <laughs> like teaching people. And that's why we chose the name that we did. Cruisers Academy. It's not just a sailing school. We want to teach people you know more than that um so i think i think once we realized that people were interested in that you know when we were sailing around and talking to different sailors that had started cruising on their own and everyone was like man i wish i could have taken those courses before i started cruising mm-hmm. um, and that's kind of yeah the, the idea built from there
2: yeah and we'll, we'll still go back to that like i said we'll have people come on the boat that we're looking at in Sausalito and we will be doing some private stuff too so people that buy their boats, we can go on and do like a crash course a week of how the systems work, how to live on a boat properly, how to provision, how to check weather, how to cross oceans, all that kind of stuff. It will definitely happen, but to set the groundwork as a basic sailing school is awesome because it's something that we can grow and build and we can kind of go offshore and have other people hopefully teach as well alongside us. Whereas the offshore one, it'll probably, we can't really replicate ourselves with that one too much.
1: We'll see. Yeah. It's it's such a good point though, and like there's I mean there's a gap in the market pretty much in every country in the world <laughs> for that type of <laughs> sailing school. Because like I don't know any I don't know any of them, but you can go on like I mean, I think OIA is like the that's like the hallmark for like international sailing schools. Yeah. You can do you can do a week's course and you can get your day skipper or you know, you can get your yacht master or whatever, but you don't know how to live on a boat. Um, yeah. you know, it doesn't teach. they don't teach you like which anchorage to pick and you know where to drop the anchor what happens if you you know your chain wraps around a rock for example how do you get it out like they don't actually teach you any of that stuff um yeah. which could be the difference in between like you know having a boat or losing your boat yeah okay. or having an enjoyable,
2: enjoyable time or not or right
3: success getting, or yeah. getting a
1: divorce or not yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah. <laughs> no, I suppose like
1: Yeah, like one segment of this course, like should definitely be like how to manage your relationship, Uh, (laughs) like when you're on an ocean or so. Yeah. Yeah,
3: that's another reason we went to, you know, some people are wondering, oh, why didn't you become an ASA school? And we did consider, you know, we talked with ASA, we bought all the books, we looked at everything, we've taken a couple courses and we pretty much decided that, you know, for what we wanted to teach, it wasn't just sailing. It was exactly like how to be a good crew member, how to actually enjoy yourself, like set yourself up for success. And the things that we thought were, you know, the most important to to teach, hey were uh weren't weren't just in the ASA 101 course, you know. So
1: yeah. this is also what is. land life gets you—a dog. Yeah, that that dog would be quite a bit big for a for a boat.
3: <laughs> oh, she <laughs> loves sailing. She loves sailing. She'll be kind yeah, of yeah.
1: so for sure. Yeah, she'll be a full-time crew member.
3: That the horse cool. won't fit on the boat, but the dog will.
1: <laughs> that's cool um i mean was i know like you, you originally said like you, you thought about doing a sailing school a few years ago and you wanted to make it like more for cruisers did there come a point where you decided that you didn't want to like specifically go down like an accredited sailing school route and you just wanted to completely focus on cruising
2: yeah i think
3: once we started teaching like i yeah. said things just happened organically up here where we started teaching people and um and once we started doing that and realizing what we thought were the most important things to teach it became clear you know when we started looking at ASA it's like well from our experience i mean you know 10 years sailing around the world i have four or five years of of sailing around experience and it's like we wanted to we wanted to teach the things we basically wanted to design the class of the course that we would have wanted to take before we started sailing and living on a boat and so for us even though it's it's probably about 10 times the amount of work to write your own curriculum, start your own sailing school, do all these things. But to us, it felt like, okay, well, it's more work in the beginning, but A, it's going to be more fulfilling to us and B it's going to feel more efficient like to us, like this is how we, this is what we think we should focus on essentially. So it really just happened all supernaturally. Um, But I'm feeling more and more confident about it. And, you know, as we, as we grow the sailing school and, you know, it, it earns credit and everything like that. I think that there's there's um, a lot of potential for how big it could get.
2: For sure. There's, I mean, there's nothing wrong with, with ASA. They've been around a long time. They they teach people good, how to sail, basic stuff. But, yeah, just like I've said, this wasn't for us. It was just we wanted to take a different route, create our own curriculum, teach the way we would have wanted to learn is the most important thing. Real-world yeah. experience. Real-world experience. A lot of hands-on sailing.
1: Yeah, I mean, like like you guys have been on the water for so long and you've been in like so many different oceans, so many different weather systems. You've experienced so much stuff. It's like the, the type of knowledge that you bring to someone who's just learning how to sail is so different compared to what like an instructor would bring who's, you know, just going through like this five-day course and they're blasting yeah. out and every single one is exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's hopefully what we're – our idea as well. <laughs> that's what yeah. we're shooting for, yeah. So, were you thinking about, like in terms of like the actual courses, like what you want to teach people who, you know, come and join the school? Were you thinking about this when you were actually cruising? Uh, we were thinking about the offshore version yeah.
2: of it. Definitely not the basic side of it. But once COVID hit and we started doing small, small classes on the lake, then we started thinking, oh crap, yeah, it's way better to start with, because we start people with our CA1 course. And that's a prerequisite to c a two that we'll have eventually c a three c a four so it'll be it's a good foundation for anybody that's going to our higher level courses to take first and then to work on that from there
3: and then we want to do offshoots too like you know have specialty kind of courses like diesel mechanics or systems on a boat or <laughs> videography on a boat or diving like there's so many different add-ons that you can kind of have with it too so definitely have not built those out yet but as far as like the long-term goals go we think it would be really cool to offer more than just sailing you know like provisioning 101 or all these different things you can take it so many different ways eventually
2: you'll be able to go in a lot of different locations in the world and learn photography you learn provisioning you learn diesel mechanics and maybe something else all within like a week or something or two weeks and then
1: that's yeah. it. So everybody there will be different specialties. I mean it's exactly what it is. It's called the Cruises Academy. It's you yeah. teach people how to cruise. You are not teaching people how to just sail. So yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it makes sense. That's the yeah, tagline. It's more than just a sailing school.
2: Yeah. It's a cruise.
1: We're <laughs> trying to think We're of the to the tagline. Yeah, what is it? That's it. It's more than just a sailing school. Yeah. Well, if it, if it wasn't for like the lockdowns and stuff and you ended up basically being locked there, what what how how were you going to introduce the business? Was it going to start off on the ocean? Yeah. Right. It was going to start off there,
2: right? Yeah, it was going to start off on a big boat, either in the Pacific or in the Caribbean, like something in the high 50s, maybe 60 foot. Hmm. And people that already know how to sail or are thinking about getting a boat or just bought a boat would have been our clients coming out to learn how to live on a boat. Yeah, that's how it would have started.
1: So that would have been like you know Canaries to the Caribbean or Caribbean to the French French Polynesia or something like that.
2: Yeah, wouldn't have been. I mean, there would be passages involved, but a lot of it would have been the cruising, right? And a lot of cruising is is island hopping, living on a boat, provisioning, all the stuff that goes besides passages. But there would definitely be passages in there.
3: Yeah. yeah, I think it's hard to say too because because we didn't start going that that way like it's hard to say what what would have came out of it but um we'll definitely make it a part of it in the future but i think we're pretty interested in the pacific in general at this point yeah. like all of the pacific we sort of have our eyes set on that we i mean on the time i was on Delos we crossed the atlantic three times from africa to brazil and then up the caribbean back across to europe and then back across again to the caribbean so i think we're ready to to check out the pacific side of things yeah, and of course, how well because we're on the Pacific side. <laughs> we're already here; yeah. we don't need to go <laughs> through the canal. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> you know what? I think the thing is as well is that if you look at what you originally intended to do and then what you're actually doing now, I think in hindsight, you you probably even admit that the path you're going on is actually better in that in terms of like setting up the academy as a business and starting off with like the foundation. And, yeah, um, like it makes more sense Sorry. to do it the way you do it. And the thing yeah, is as well, more is, valuable, like, too yeah but i think if you started off up on the ocean you probably wouldn't have worked your way back to a lake doing the beginner so, stuff no nope. yeah yeah i agree yeah yeah so it's worked out better than we could have hoped for yeah so it's actually worked out probably better <laughs> yeah. so yeah another silver line into covid as well like it's actually it's helped, helped the business somewhat i suppose yeah, yeah. 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 To
3: the Foundation. and just everything from setting the business up and like getting our booking software and our website and, like. It's a lot of internet-based things that it's been quite nice to get all that going on land so that when we do take off, it's it's all there, you know?
1: Yeah. How have you guys found it? Because you two have gone from, like, probably, I don't know, like, vlogging is a profession. I don't know if you'd say someone's a professional vlogger. I don't know (laughs) if that term is is really correct. But you've gone from earning a a living. From, you know, docu- documenting your life online, which is a business, but it's not a business in terms of, like, you know, a, a generic way in which somebody would set up a business. Okay. Uh, how have you found it, like, going from that lifestyle to, you know, where you have to deal with, like, government regulations and getting permits and all that type of stuff? I don't know. I think
2: I think the the videography and documenting your life has so many facets, especially living on a boat. So, yeah, there's the the filming side and editing side, but... The parts that we're filming about going in and out of countries, fixing things, just constantly adapting and making plans, that part sets you up for pretty much anything, I'd say. Just gives you a mindset where you're just like, this is the problem, we'll find a solution for it. So that's kind of cruising in general. And then, yeah, the organization that goes into starting a YouTube channel and a business and the dedication and time management you have to have is really important for starting a business. And when you work for yourself, nobody's telling you when to stop and start working. So mm-hmm. you find yourself working too much sometimes, which, yeah. which is tough. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, yeah, a lot of the skills from not only sailing around the world, but creating a, a yeah YouTube-based business helped with this immensely. Yeah.
3: I think, too, that with the amount of content that we were creating on Delos, like it's, it's funny because if we ever meet anyone that works in video and we tell them, oh, yeah, we were putting out a... 30 or 40 minute episode every single Friday from a crew of, you know, four or five people, they're just like, their minds explode, knowing how much work goes into that, which, it, you know, and you're just like, yep, you, you get it. Like you understand how much work goes into that. So mm-hmm. I think that we, or at least I can say I did get burnt out a little bit. Um, and I think about creativity, whether it's filming or editing, or really anything creative you're doing as like a, it's a cup, you know, and you can kind of like run out you know, once it's being depleted, 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 like you have to give yourself time and space to let that get filled filled back up again. So I think that taking the last you know, year of, you know, we've been doing a little bit of video projects here and there, and we just did the big one in Galapagos, but just giving that cup like a chance to fill back up again and be like, okay, I'm excited to pick up the camera. Like I'm excited to do this, which I think we were at the point where we just wanted a little bit of time to, to recoup from that.
1: Yeah. Did you, do you actually, do you, did you love doing it like doing the weekly vlogging and the editing? Like, was it, was it a passion for you and you actually enjoyed doing it?
2: Yeah, for sure. I don't think it would have been successful if it wasn't a passion. It's, it's such hard work. You have to, if you don't like editing and filming, there's no way you could ever run a YouTube channel. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And like Alex said, I mean, since we've taken this break and we just got back from the glass post and we fully filmed everything for three weeks Mm -hmm. and it was awesome. Like our, our creativity cup was filled back up again. And it was just like all those feelings came back and the passion came back and the creativity, it was, it was great. So to take a step away from it for a while was really good for us. Yeah. Yeah. I think
3: that like filming and editing your life is such a cool experience because it makes you realize how much you forget, you know, Going yeah. back through and editing footage from three or four months ago. And you're like, I forgot that happened. I forgot this happened. Or there's a different place on the boat where you weren't there and someone else was filming. And you're like, oh, I totally wasn't. didn't even know that moment happened. Or the people that you met or anything. And then, you know, going into telling the story of a place, you're like sort of backtracking. You're like, well, I didn't know the history before I went. I didn't. I kind of got a feel for the history when I was there. But now that I have to actually share it with the world, like I'm going to do digging on this place. and kind of put put it all together and it's a really cool way to reflect on everything you've done yeah um so I, that's the part that i enjoy with it like it's sort of you know telling telling the story and, and looking back and sort of tying a nice little bow on everything
1: yeah it's you know it, it is such hard work um it's like i said on email um when, when we were speaking before i've got some uh friends who they've they've got a youtube channel they do they do sailing and uh, we, it was, uh, it was with those friends that we went to the um Canary Islands. They got a channel called See the Little Things. um You might actually like watch them. They're incredible at actually taking video and editing, and they 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 make beautiful videos. And like when when we were on the trip, I was like, God, this seems like such hard work. And then they were doing the shooting, the editing. I was like, This is so so hard. And then I was um, I was watching some of the videos back, and it's like those little moments that are amazing, but you forget. Like when you're able to actually watch them back, you you have like such a it's such a higher appreciation for an experience because you can relive it over and over again. It's, it's really nice, but it's hard.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah,
1: It is tiring, but um, yeah, I mean, it's one of the, it's one of those things if it is your, because it's your passion, but it is so time consuming and it's so difficult. I think it gets to the point where you're feeling burnt out. Like you just have to step away from it from a while um, in order to like get that creative flare back and, you know, go back into it hundred percent.
2: Yeah, not only do you notice it mentally and physically, but the audience notices it too. The audience can tell. And if you're not being authentic and, and you're not enjoying what you're doing, what's the point? That's the whole point of this lifestyle that we had was was to film our lives and spread joy and happiness and just do what you love. And the minute you stop loving something, then you have to change, right? so. Mm-hmm.
3: And we we definitely do love making films. I mean, that's why I became a videographer is because I was like, wow, this like lights me up inside, you know. And then when you make it your profession for so many years, okay. And then same with Brady. I mean, the whole reason that you guys started filming your adventures on Delos is because it was it was fun, and you Super you know fun. all yeah. that stuff. And so I think that where we've decided to take with the, all the film projects right now is we're still going to be creating, but we're not going to be putting pressure and deadlines on it with like the week re- weekly release. So like Brady said, when we are in Galapagos, full on filming mission, you know, we're filming boat work. Like we have a bunch of video projects in the works, but we're not editing, you know, 12 hours a day to be like, we have to have them out by this time. So we'll share them when we're ready, but we wanna, we just wanna have like a blast making them.
2: Yeah, it doesn't have to be our, our major source of income. It can be go back to a passion and then have the family school as a way to fund the films. Instead of the other way around, where if you're only making films, you have to be consistent. You have to put a lot out in order to make some sort of living from it. So if we yeah. can rely a lot in the sailing school and then film and make documentaries out of passion and for fun,
1: yeah, it's all in the back full circle. Yeah, I mean it's the, it's the perfect setup in a way. Like you don't want you don't want what you love to become like a labor or a chore. I mean, like yeah. I think it is good to keep those two things separate. It's nice because for so long you were able to do it and it works. Yeah. it's like you said i mean it's inspired like so many thousands of people to like go and buy sailboats whether that's a good thing or a bad thing i don't know it depends <laughs> the world, but, but you know like yeah it, it did work but yeah i mean definitely like taking some time away from it do you miss the engagement with like the followers and the people that you know watched every week and come and ask questions and that type of stuff
2: uh we still get that quite a bit like it's yeah. Still get yeah we still get messages a lot and um I mean when you pull up to an island being on Delos, it's it's kind of a surreal thing. If you're at sea for a long time, you pull up and everybody recognizes you, brings you beers over. I mean, I missed that a lot. That gave me a lot of energy and it kind of that's what I used to refill my creativity was meeting those people in person. So that hasn't that doesn't happen a lot because of COVID and because we're not on the boat anymore, but we still get a lot of interaction with viewers and, and the audience for sure. And a lot of the people that where the true viewers and audience are now coming to learn to say with us, so we get to meet him in person.
1: Yeah, that's really nice. Yeah, yeah. that's why like a really sweet touch actually That's was really yeah. cool. Have you thought of doing something in terms of like video and production and and mixing it in with the Cruisers Academy, like doing some online courses or making, you know, producing videos part of the actual school or something like that. Have you been sitting in on our meetings? <laughs> you know the secrets. Maybe <laughs>
3: Yeah, so we some ideas for that in the future top secret
2: ideas. yeah we might do that um for right now the documentaries and the films we're making are yeah based on travel or or fixing the boats but as far as like online courses we're not doing any of that right now there may be
1: some stuff in the future for that but for right now we're not doing that it would be cool though do you like know, when you go skydiving you can pay a little bit extra to have another dude jump out okay. and he's got a camera That'll be yeah, really yeah. good for the Cruises Academy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't yeah. know how it'd work. Maybe just yeah. fly like, Maybe maybe put a camera on the dog. I don't know something. But uh, yeah, <laughs> she I does. Say. She does <laughs> have a camera. She wears <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> the GoPro yeah. on there. Yeah, yeah. No, that'd yeah. be cool. Yeah. So you've got so for for the Cruises Academy, you've got like the season fully booked coming up, which is pretty new. much. Yeah, we, we um, booked we
2: booked up until mid August right now. Yep, we
3: didn't. Yeah. We're, uh, we have everything available is booked and then we are going to add some more stuff. But as of now, as of now, we've booked up everything that we've made available.
1: Yeah. And that's with you two guys actually teaching the courses as well.
3: Yep. Yep. So like Brady said, yeah, we have about, I think we have maybe 90 people or something booked right now. And Yeah basically know us from youtube (laughs) which is kind of funny um but that's yeah and that's the other thing too with the youtube channel is it's it's really our only marketing like we're not paying for ads or anything like that it's like we just make content and share it and if people connect with it and you know like the kind of lifestyle that that we're trying to promote then perfect that's like the most natural marketing for us
1: yeah have you I mean, I suppose you'll you'll probably know more towards the end of the season once you've actually spent time with the people, or you may have spoken to them all about it already. How? What is like the percentage? Do you think between how many people are coming on board because they want to sail and they want to actually learn how to cruise, and how many people are coming on board just because they want to have a sailing lesson from uh, Brady and Alex? <laughs> hopefully,
2: it's, hopefully everybody just wants to come and learn to sail, and then it's it's <laughs> it's humbling if they want to learn from us, but. Yeah, I hope it's just people want to learn to sail. Yeah. We'll yeah. Find it's, pro-
3: it's probably a mixture of, of both, yeah. for sure, right now.
2: But. It's hard because, uh, yeah, we can't
1: clone ourselves. So Yeah, I'd be a great business model. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Elon Musk might have something in the works. Brady
3: <laughs> really tries to get in contact with him regularly. It's I send a message all the time, like,
1: Elon, come sailing with me. <laughs> yeah. he yeah, so. we'll never right back. He's. I think he's busy with like this Mars mission or something. <laughs> yeah, 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 really. a, yeah, starting a colony on Mars. Yeah, whatever. He does a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah, he's pretty busy. No, it's yeah. cool. So you've got so the the rest of this year is nearly booked up anyway. So you've got it through to August. Have you got the Have you got the option to like extend the season in into October or something like that, or is the weather just not right for it over?
3: We could still do some sailing in October. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to be wearing jackets out there and stuff, but um, the wind just starts to become a little bit more irregular during that time of the year. Whereas that, you know, normal afternoon Zephyr that we mentioned with the desert heating up and kind of what you can count on um, October is a little bit more irregular. So you might have a couple days, yeah, less wind and then a couple of days where it's going 30 knots. And, but I mean that those are all good sailing conditions too, really to learn and variability can help too. So. We'll just have mm-hmm. to play it by year. We'll play it by year
2: and yeah.
1: see what what future courses we make available. We'll just have to see how it goes. Yeah, I mean, in a way, it could actually be good to do some courses later on when the conditions are worse because that is part of cruising. Like, yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, yeah. if you're cruising around, you're not always going to have nice winds and flat seas. You're going to have to deal with like a bit of shit as well. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean, you could just do like a shitty week course, and you know, if you <laughs> want to learn, <laughs> <laughs> to if, <laughs> <safely> G- terrible <laughs> conditions come here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the the bigger boat that
2: we're talking about, it's a passport forty two. Oh nice. Yeah, it's beautiful nineteen eighty 80, eighty. Nineteen eighty. Wow. So many boats now, you mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, it's a nineteen eighty and yeah, we we it's not set in stone, but we've talked about sailing that down to Mexico this winter. Hmm. So October November ish would be the time to do that. But yep. we're just kinda focusing on now on the first part of summer for classes and the rest will fall into place as it should
1: so i suppose like i mean it looks like the lockdowns are into this year could actually be the first year where you do a summer of the Cruises academy and then you hop on a passport 42 and go down to mexico it does. yeah it could be this yeah. year <laughs> yeah that'll be a pretty sweet life that'll be yeah that'll be quite cool <laughs> do, you, do you think at any point like I mean, I know you've had like a break from it and you've been to the Galapagos and that's like topped up like your creativity bank a bit. Do you think if you did that during the winter, you could get back into the habit of maybe not a weekly vlog because it's it's a lot of work, but you could do it like a bi-weekly or, you know, a monthly thing, something like that? I think yeah, so. Yeah, for I sure. definitely think so. I think when we start sailing again,
2: we'll want to capture it no matter what. because yeah. It's just it's super fun to capture and edit it. But as far as, like you said, the, the weekly vlog style. I don't think that sounds appealing to me, uh, mm. but more longer format stuff, like an entire video about getting the boat ready, leaving the coast, sailing to Mexico. Maybe that will cover a period of two months, but yeah. we could make a, like a documentary about that specifically. For
3: sure,
1: yeah. That would
2: be
3: fun. I can promise you that if we sail to Mexico, we will be documenting it and sharing it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that will be
1: pretty good. Oh, you have, uh, your family are in Mexico as well. Oh, My brother is, yeah. My brother and his wife are in Mexico now on on the uh, Gulf of Mexico side, so not on the Pacific side. Yeah. Oh, cool. Okay. What made you pick a Passport 42? I mean, it's an amazing boat, but was there a specific reason for picking that one? Uh, It kind of came to us, (laughs)
2: really. I mean, (laughs) uh, it's not like we were out searching specifically for a Passport 42. We just kind of had our feelers out for a boat that we would like to take cruising. And with the Cruisers Academy offshore, Like I said, originally, it was going to be something big that you could have a lot of people on. And I don't know, there's something really cool about sailing on, it's not really a small boat, but an older boat that is very reachable for most people. Like you don't need a 55 foot ML to go and sail. Like you can do it on a 1980 passport. So it's, I don't know, it's cool just to take a step back and, and not outstretch ourselves And uh, yeah, a friend of ours happened to be selling their Passport 42, so we wouldn't have a look at it. It's not official yet, but uh, it's in the works. So it kind of fell into our laps at the right time, and yeah, we just fell in love with the boat. It's just a super strong, sturdy, classic boat.
3: Yeah. It's also worth mentioning that basically everything on the boat has been redone. Like you look at it and it's like still has this like classic look to it, but it's completely modernized. Like I think there's 70 hours on the main, all new holding tanks, all new electrical, ripped out deck, like anything and everything everything that could be redone on this boat is. Mm. And So that's a huge,
1: huge plus. (laughs) Yeah. So the previous owner like took care of it really well. Really well. Amazingly. Yeah. He's very, very detail oriented. Yeah. No, that's that's really good. Like, it, I I prefer older boats. I love like nineteen seventies, nineteen like the shape of like a nineteen seventies, nineteen eighties cruiser. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I've got friends who've got them, and it's just like every time you go out, the engine makes a strange noise or a different crack comes from. Yeah, good. I mean, like beautiful yeah. things to have and own, but like pretty hard work. But yeah, I mean, if you've got one that's like completely been refurbished already, that's uh, that's that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So
2: all the things aligned for us to be introduced to this boat that's why
1: it's (laughs) so did you get this with the maybe not the intention but with the thought in mind that this might be a boat to cruise around the world together on
2: yeah for sure i think it'll be a little bit of everything it'll be uh yeah a boat for us to cruise down to mexico on it'll be a boat to teach on for cruiser academy offshore stuff um but yeah, that's definitely a capable boat of going across the Pacific and around the world. We're not in any rush to do that, but it could definitely be a boat that would do that for us. That's for sure.
3: The first official cru- flagship uh, ocean Ocean Cruisers Academy flagship, hopefully the first of many.
1: <laughs> ocean Cruises Academy. Okay, <laughs> that's, the, that's the next tag on. Where would you base it? Because uh, so I take it you probably base it out of California, because that's where you've like you've set your roots down there.
3: We actually are pretty interested in spending some time in Sea of Cortez. Um, oh, beautiful. And getting the boat down there, obviously, really good sailing, really good diving, um, awesome vibe, and maybe just hanging out down there for a while and having people come to learn down there. Um, but yeah, again, we just have to sail there and, and see if it, it feels right once we get there, you know? Yeah. yeah. But that's yeah. kind of the, the rough plan.
1: Yeah, that's cool. And um, the Galapagos trip. Like you guys must have missed out on the scuba diving. So it was (laughs) uh, like, your favorite pastime. filled back up with diving. That's for sure. We did four dives a day for seven days straight. So it was a lot. Yeah. And did you do that? Is that something that you've just always wanted to like tick off the, uh, tick off the list or was, did you specifically go there because you wanted to film the, um, the aquatic life there?
2: yeah both i mean it's always been a destination in the diving world that's just incredible right and and going there by sailboat is pretty difficult it's a lot of money to get in you don't have much freedom because it's all a protected park so it was always a place that i kind of thought i'd never sail to to go dive but i always wanted to experience it so yeah we were we were super lucky to be able to go yeah and see it by a aboard, which is just it's crazy like hear
1: spoiled the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to do any other work it's crazy because i know it's uh, the fees to actually get in there with a sailboat i've heard are quite high um, Is it's like certain regulations as well like the type of anti-foul that you're allowed on on your yep. boats to, yeah
2: yep and you can't basically do anything on your own so even there's some ports where you can't even use your diggy you have to call a water taxi for them to come pick you up right. uh and there's only like three places you can actually go on anchor. Maybe
1: you can't dive all your own, you can't really do anything, so yeah yeah, but that's why it's so beautiful, and it's uh, it stayed yeah, it stayed so beautiful, yeah,
3: yeah exactly. super special place in the world, yeah <laughs> like everything Galapagos being yeah incredible and wild, and you know animals having no no natural predators, so they're coming right up to you and it's it's absolutely mind blowing yeah it's hard to find words to explain how special the trip
1: is for sure well was it like more mind-blowing I mean you've been to like a lot of islands in the Pacific and you've been to some pretty remote places was it like a level above that
3: I think that the wildlife there for me what was so special is to see the way that actually humans and animals can coexist yeah. if animals just leave I mean if humans just leave animals alone a little bit yeah. you know like it's it's there's nowhere else in the world really where it's happening on that level you know yeah. where the animals straight up are not scared of people whatever and just kind of living their life and adapt. everyone's adapting together and there's a lot of respect going on so to me that was like whoa made that place super super unique um and then also just the history there and the the, you know effect that those islands have had on literally the way humans look at where they came from and evolution and all these things so uh it has a lot of unique things going for it and yeah the diving was like
1: I don't know it's just Incredible. so
3: much wildlife in the water from hundreds of hammerheads to you know mola mola sea lions everywhere like the list just it's on and on so
2: yeah it's like a place where if you went diving in a lot of different places in the world you could see some of the same things but it might take you you'd have to go to different places in the world and it would take you like a while to find it but the Galapagos you're living there yeah seven days and yeah huge sea turtles marine iguanas mola mola the big sunfish Schooling hammerheads octopus just people can see orcas all kinds of whales dolphins it's all right there just in this little zone
1: yeah it's it's just all in one place yeah yeah did you know i mean obviously it's like it's like incredibly remote but you can go to really remote places in asia and you still like see plastic on the beaches and plastic floats in the water get any of that there or is there's none of it no it
3: still exists yeah it exists everywhere yeah
1: Arctic. Yeah. Super remote. Everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. That's not That's so bad. There was yeah. one um one one of our news channels in the UK called Sky News, they've got like a really they've got a really big campaign. Can't remember the name of it. Uh, obviously it's it's got it's something oceans, but um they they put loads of money and they fund like loads of uh, beach cleanups all over the world and they put money into like research for developing um you know like drones that basically just swim all over the place collecting plastics and stuff out of the water and all that. And uh, there was was, um, one small documentary, it was like last year when I watched it, and it's basically showing you some beaches in Asia that have actually been formed with plastic. So you've got like a small archipelago, for example, which is, I I don't know, it would barely just make its presence like above um, above sea level. And then, you know, over the course of like 15 years, it's actually turned into a full-blown island. And if you dig down, it's just water bottles and shoes and tires and crazy crazy, crazy stuff. Yeah. so uh, yeah, I mean they get it, they get it there as well. It's pretty depressing, but yeah. <laughs> okay. well, you saw you saw the best parts of it anyway. Is that is that like are you going to release a documentary on um, on that with the footage that you've taken? Not specifically on plastic pollution. Just
2: I don't know. We don't know what
1: direction it's going
2: to go yet. We have four terabytes of footage. Yeah. That we need to yeah. look through. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of really important issues in the Gulf Coast with illegal fishing, overfishing, just. There's there's pretty much a barrier around the islands that's fully protected, but there's a ton of commercial ships right on the edge of that. And sometimes they come in, they turn their E-curve off, their AIS off, and they come in, catch a bunch of sharks, and leave. So there's a lot of, even though it's the Galapagos and it's one of the most protected places in the world, there's still a lot of stuff going on with overfishing and pollution. Yeah,
3: so we 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 definitely dug into that topic as much as we could when we were there. Um, And yeah, we filmed what we could about it. And so, yeah, we're definitely going to make, I don't know if it's what it's going to turn into, if it's going to turn into five YouTube episodes or 10 YouTube episodes or, you know, an hour long doc or whatever, but we're definitely going to make a film project out of it. And yeah, excited to, excited to share it. I am just excited, like what we were talking about earlier, to look back through the footage and be like, oh my God, I get to watch this tortoise eat this poisonous apples in 120 frames per second and like totally geek out on everything that we saw that we missed in the moment you know
1: yeah that is going to be so most of the footage that you've got is actually underwater because that was what the entire trip was about if you
3: it's half and half
1: we actually spent three weeks there so the first week we spent
3: exploring one of the islands Isabella the second week we went diving uh and then we're on the boat the whole time and then the third week we went to a different island crystal ball so i actually went to three different islands kind of saw and explored different things went to different types of you know beaches and snorkeling and boat rides and then yeah diving at the center of it too yeah
2: So a little bit of everything because the land animals are there cr- crazy like the the tortoises they live to be like they don't even know but over 150 years old yeah.
1: oh they're and huge they're huge oh my god yeah yeah yeah
3: and this, they just walk around wild.
1: Yeah, <laughs> they just, just walking around, around the business.
2: Get out of my way! I've been here 150
1: years. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're on their turf, you know. It's it's, yeah. it's the game by their rules. I, I remember I was watching a um, documentary on. Oh, it was on. It was on the Arctic, and um, it was a guy who was. He was just obsessed with sea lions, and he, he managed to get himself to this one island. And he, in his impression, was that they've never seen a human before. So he Um, went camping out on a beach. It wasn't really a beach. It was like a giant iceberg. It looks horrible. But anyway, so he went camping out. He had his little tent. And the sea lions were just literally just coming and camping at the side of him. So he'd wake up in the morning. He was just popping his head out. And there was like these two sea lions just right outside his tent. These things are huge. Like if I looked at that, I'd be like, mate, you are going to eat me. Like move on. (laughs) You know what I mean? The massive things. And then like the next morning he got out and they'd come back during the night. And he basically made friends with them. And then, like, a few days later, um, he was, like, hugging with them. He was, like, pulling on the pulling on the cheeks and playing with And <laughs> it was crazy. But he was saying it's because they, they cannot associate a human with danger because they've never encountered right. humans like that before.
2: Yeah, the sea lions of the was they walk down the street. Oh, my god! like, get out of my way. Little babies, this yeah. big. Walk through town. Like, yeah, when like you're everyone. diving, they come
3: mm-hmm. playing with you. They're, like, blowing bubbles in your face, and you're spinning around with them. And, like, they're coming and biting on your little flipper and there's 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 really no animal that you can dive with that, that is that interactive actually you're yeah. like literally the puppies of the sea you know yeah they're so cool i have a whole new like obsession with them after going to the Galapagos. yeah
1: <laughs> yeah it would be so cool to like obviously it'll never it'll never happen but it you know like you could oh let's go back in a time machine let's do something weird or whatever it'd be so cool to go back to a point where you, you could visit like every type of animal species and be like, how would these guys interact with me if they don't think that I'm going to eat them? Yeah. Like, like just go chill out with the monkeys and they're like, you know, what's, what's going on? You know, there's, there's no danger <laughs> here. Like do it with the sea lions, for example. That would be, uh, that would be really interesting. would be really cool. Totally. Yeah. yeah. So in a way going to Galapagos, like it did
3: feel like time traveling a little bit to go see, yeah. you know, a place in the world that, that was sort of isolated, pr- protected for so long that, um, yeah, it kind of became super, super unique. There's not very many places in the world you can have the experiences that you can there.
2: Yeah, the animals are been doing the same thing since way before humans showed up.
1: So, yeah, well, I mean, we're on all of that turf, really. Aren't we? It's always yeah. so, they, they were here first. So, yeah, I suppose cool um all right so just in terms of like the future so we've gone over like the cruises academy we spoke about the uh, the boat that you got the passport 42 which is uh looking forward to your photos of that actually that's gonna be really cool um what are the plans that you've got in place for now oh
2: no no plan is a good plan no i'm just kidding we have i mean we're really excited to to work out in the summer with the sailing school and learn and develop the curriculum Hopefully, by the end of the year, we'll be sailing on the Passport 42 somewhere, whether that's on the coast of California or down to Mexico. Um, Galapagos
3: film project. Galapagos film project we have
2: coming out. We'll start editing that soon. And
3: We we actually had something really exciting happen this week that's a huge uh, shift in the Cruisers Academy uh, world. It is. We got another one of us. Brady was saying we can't clone I mean, us. We so closed this ourselves. Is, this is a is he In the corner. He yes. is Come in the here. corner. Oh, he's in the yeah. corner.
1: <laughs> we'll say what's up? Lone stranger yeah. hanging out there.
3: A serious new core member. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> Cruiser. There yeah, we're good. Yeah.
2: So if you've seen the episodes that we cross the Atlantic, Sean joined the boat. He cruised with us from Fort Lauderdale yeah. up to Bermuda. Across the Azores, the Canaries, yeah. and now we see him in Tahoe. <laughs> <laughs> he yeah. the he just through. flew in like yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't really flew in. So yeah, yeah, we'll That's see awesome. what the future takes. The three of us—it's
1: going to be crazy. There we go. Yeah. But
3: this is so, the closest thing you can get to a clone.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 Not from an appearance perspective, there is a bit of a difference. No. There. No. Maybe no. similar. No. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, experience, personalities. Yeah. yeah outlook on life mm-hmm. yeah all of that that's really good so you're going to be teaching some of the classes as well then yeah definitely sure yeah, yeah. that's awesome so yeah. it's turned into a tree i was going to say threesome but that sounds weird it's turned into a tree <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, we'll, we'll see how the summer goes you never know <laughs> yeah you never know it might get lonely up there you know. <laughs> Winter's coming. Let's, let's keep warm. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, all right, well, that's great, with you guys. Listen, thanks so much for taking the time to speak, and um, yeah. I'm sure everyone's going to be like really looking forward to the updates that you can give everyone. And uh, yeah, all the best of the summer. I think it's going to be really exciting, and uh, I'm sure everyone's looking forward to uh, to hearing about it. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, thanks yeah. so much for the chat. It was nice talking yeah. to you.